away when the camera was on. But we're glad that you're here this morning and you uh, weathered the, uh, the snow. How many of you slipped around coming in? Any bad? Okay. How many of you fell in the parking lot? It was just one of you. Yeah, it was just one of you. Yeah. Oh, that's it. <laughs> we won't point any fingers at Sherry. That's fine. I mean, I said it all. <laughs> so, love you, Sherry. Love you, Sherry. But we're glad that you're here today, glad that we get the opportunity just to come together and be family to one another at Family Life Church. Uh, If you've never been here before, uh, my name is Chris Massey, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so glad that you would come to worship with us today. Uh, We enjoy being together, enjoy being family with one another, and uh, we're always excited to be able to extend that uh, invitation to be part of the family here um, obviously, today is our dunk with the pastors after service. If you've never had the opportunity to meet our pastoral staff, and we've never had the opportunity to meet you, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that. I know it snowed, but we already bought donuts and coffee, so if you don't come, I'll eat them all, and that's not good for me. So, you know, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, it's not very long, but just after our service uh, down the hallway in the Life Center, and please uh, be a part of that. Also want to let you know an update that's kind of developed in the last half an hour or so. Uh, is that we're actually going to reschedule our family fun night um, at the uh, fun center, the Olympic Fun Center. Uh, with the weather being what it is and it continues to snow, we thought it would probably be best to do that at a different time. So <clears throat> if you plan on bringing your kids out tonight or knew anybody who was coming, uh, we'll be getting back to you in the future about a makeup date for that, but we are going to cancel that this evening. All right, I feel like I've said a mouthful already and I didn't even start preaching. It's like a... But we're going to continue in the series that we've been in the last couple of weeks, uh, talking about uh, this radical year that God has called us to and living out loud for Him. Radical year of what it means to allow God to transform us so that we can really begin to jump wholeheartedly into the things that God has for our lives. And uh, it is radical because it's not normal. If it was normal, everybody would do it. And we live in a time where living for Jesus is not the popular thing to do. Living out loud for God being a self-sacrificial, choosing to follow God with your life. These aren't normal things anymore. Um, You know, I've I've said often to our staff as we talk about how to reach new people, we're in a time where uh, for the first time in the history, we're trying to reach a a post-Christian society. Since the beginning of Christianity, when Jesus ascended into the heavens, you know, Christianity was on the rise. And then it was at a plateau, and now it's steadily on the decline. And, and there are more people today who don't know anything about Jesus than at any point in history. And that's okay. It just means that we need to think about how do we reach those kind of people. How do we live radically in a world that is no longer living for God? Um, it becomes easy to stand out at that point because if you're living by godly principles, you're going to look different than the people around you. And that's what we've been focused on these last few weeks and what we're going to look at this morning as we go to Genesis chapter 12. But I want to look at uh, a man named Abram. How many of you have ever heard of Father Abraham, right? You know, you grow up and you go, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. You know, I was at a funeral not too long ago where we sang Father Abraham at the funeral. It was really awesome. So I never experienced that before, but it was really awesome. But we're, we're talking about Abraham before he became Abraham, all right? This is when his name was just Abram. All right, so when you see Abram here, that's who we're talking about. It is Father Abraham. It's just that God didn't change his name yet. We'll also see reference to his wife, Sarah, who is right now Sarai. So it's not like these are misprints. It's just uh, these were their names at this point. God hadn't changed their names yet. But we're going to read here in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along on the screens or in your Bible, your tablet, your phone, whatever works for you. But it says, The Lord said to Abram, 
Leave your native country, your relatives and your families, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Iran. So, I don't know, how many of you think 75 is old? Don't raise your hand, that's not something. <laughs> there are people in here we could offend. Abram was 75 years old, and God was making this promise to him, I'm going to take you and make you into a great nation. Now, at the age of 75, he and his wife, his wife was 10 years younger than him, but she's 65 so they're living in this time, and, and in, even in biblical times, early Bible times, this is just a little too old to be having children, okay? And they're like, we don't have any children of our own. God, how are you going to make us into a great nation? How are you going to do that? How, are, how, is, how is our family line going to do anything for the world? Because it's just the two of us, and we can't have children. But God is giving this call to Abram where he says, listen, if you're willing to trust me and follow me into the unknown, then I can do something amazing with your life. You know, as I look at this idea of what it means to be radical for God and to live this radical ideology of, of following Jesus with your life, sometimes that means you've got to be willing to follow God into the unknown. Have you ever had that happening before? You just know God's leading me, God's directing me, he's stirring something in me. You know, people ask all the time, how do you know if God's talking to you? Well, I don't know how to tell you this, you'll just know. You'll know that it's not you that wanted to do it. You'll know that it wasn't in your thinking or in your planning, but something within you tells you, I need to be obedient in this way, to go and do this thing. And if I don't do it, I know I'm not going to feel right later. But in the midst of doing that, sometimes God says, you've got to follow me into the unknown, not knowing where it goes. Now, how many of you like to be planned out in your life? Right? Going off script, not your thing. We, you know, we got a five-year plan. Some of you maybe a 10-year plan. Some of you live by the five-minute plan. I know what I'm doing five minutes from now. I, some of you have no idea what you're doing for lunch today. That's just, you know, we're, we're different, but that's okay. But for those of you who are planners... And in and, and that place of thinking, I need to know what all the steps look like. I need to know what all of it adds up to. I need to know where this is all leading and where it ends up. I need to see the end result before I can get excited about following through with the plan. You know, some things in life that really works. You ever hear the old adage, man plans, God laughs? You ever been there? I've had God laugh at some of my plans before. But in the midst of that is this idea that we can follow God with all that we are and chase after him even though we don't know what the outcome is going to be. I would love to tell you that after following Jesus my entire life at the ripe old age of 38 that I know exactly what God is doing. But I find more and more that I have no clue what he's doing. But it's okay because I find peace in saying, God, I know that your plan is great. I know that whatever you have in store is good and I'm going to trust you. But if you read in the chapter before this, God is speaking to Abram and his family and Lot, and he tells them, listen, I want you guys to go to the land of Canaan because that's where I'm going to bless you. Well, it was a long journey to Canaan because there was a desert in between them, and they had to go all the way around this desert. It was a journey that took them uh, months and months to complete because it was uh, 600 miles up to Haran where they decided to stay, and then another 400 miles from Haran down to um, Canaan. And all I could picture is in the midst of this, that he's out there and he's like, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. Some of you get that later, it's fine. 
he had to go this incredible journey to follow God's plan for his life. And, and you know, to us, all of our journeys start with what? Siri, give me directions to. Hey, Google, give me directions to. If you were back in the day when GPSs came out, you put it into your GPS. You had to type it like some primitive oaf. It was crazy. Couldn't just talk to the thing and ask it directions. Uh, my wife used a GPS years ago. It was hilarious. She was nine months pregnant with Roman, and she needed to go to an interview. And she said, I don't know where I'm going. Can I use your GPS? I work construction, so I was all over the place. I was like, yeah, you can use my GPS. So she calls me, and she says, I'm at a trailer park. It's telling me to turn left into a trailer. And I was like, okay. What did you? So here's what she did. For those of you. The, the GPS, you, know, you had to put it on your windshield so that it was facing forward. She had it sitting in the cup holder facing the passenger window. So this GPS is like, I don't even know how this car is defying the logic of physics here, but somehow we need to make a left and get back onto where we're going. But that's how all of our journeys start. All of our journeys start with, give me the directions. I want to see turn by turn where I'm going to go. I want to see an ETA, challenge accepted, uh, as to when I'm likely going to get there or what time I need to beat to, burn, to earn my own points. We want to know the directions, but when it comes to following God, this is something we just have to let go of. And, and really, as we talk about what it means to be radical for God, I really want to put that into our thinking, that challenge that we need to understand that sometimes following God is not inputting a destination on a GPS, looking at the turn-by-turn instructions as to where we're going to go, when we're going to go, how we're going to go, but it's sim simply standing back and saying, God, I take my hands off of everything, and wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. Whatever you have in store for me, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to trust you and the plans that you have for my life. But there's a purpose behind it. We see this in verses 2 and 3. God says to Abram, I will bless you. Everybody likes that, right? I will make you famous. He was going to have the world's first Facebook account. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and the families of the earth will be blessed through you. He's telling him, Abram, I've got a plan. Now, when we think about God's plan for our lives, a lot of times our thinking is a little too small. We're thinking, well, God's plan for my life has to do with my life. It has to do with the blessings that God wants to give to me. It has to do with my children, or it has to do with you know, the things that are just in my little bubble here. But what God is speaking to Abram is he said that your obedience in this moment is not only going to have a profound effect on your life, but a profound effect on the entire world. You know, one of the lies that I think that Satan tries to tell Christians all the time is that your obedience or your disobedience really is of no consequence. Whether you obey or you disobey, that's for you. It's up to you. It's, it's, you might get blessed. You might miss out on a blessing. But really, it, it doesn't really matter. It's inconsequential. But the reality is that history is littered with individuals who we see that because of their simple obedience in their lifetime and in their situation, the entire world around them was made different. We talked about this last week with Peter Milne and his decision to go into the Hebrides Islands as a missionary. And at the end of his lifetime, that these missionary, this missionary, who everybody who had come before him had been killed, it was etched on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light, but when he left, there was no darkness. And we look at individuals like that, and it's not just about the blessing I want for my life, but it's the blessing that God wants to pour out through me in the world around me. It takes something that we have to be willing to give into. 
It's called unlimited trust. We've got to have unlimited trust for God. Because if our only trust is about what we can see and understand and know, just understand this, that's not actual trust. When we need to see the outcome and we have to have the safety net and we have to have the plan B, that's not trust. It's, okay, I'll go along with this until it no longer makes sense. Then I'm out. I'll go along with this until I can't, uh, until it doesn't make any sense to me, then we're going to have to change course. Or it's getting hard, it's getting difficult, I, I need to change course. And understand for Abram, he went through the desert in the middle of nowhere. This was at a time where obviously the world is not nearly as populated as it is now. And he leaves his family, his security, everything that he's never known behind just to chase after God's plan for his life, but also the blessing that God wants to pour out through him. He says, Abram, I want to bless the world through you. Can I tell you, God wants to say that to you this morning? I want to bless the world through you. It's not just about you. It's not just about what, what God wants to do in your life. I mean, we all are excited about our blessings, right? God, bless me. Bless my family. And, and this is really hard, and this is why we talk about being radical for God, because so much of everything that we talk about today is about us. Do what makes you happy. Do what feels good. Follow your dreams. Chase your own whatever. And you have to do you. All of it time and time again leading us to this place. But here's the reality of every one of those statements. It's just a pretty way of saying be selfish. That's all it is. Be selfish. You deserve it. You deserve to be selfish. And it's not what God says. He says, listen, you have to trust me because what I decide to do in your life is not just about what I want to pour out in your family, in your circle, in your small bubble. But I want to show you that through your simple obedience, through choosing to live radically, that I can bless the world around you through you. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's pretty hard to imagine this idea that God wants to change the world through my simple life. Through your simple life. We have no idea at any point in our lives as to who we might affect that years from now looks back and says, I remember when that person did this. I remember when that person did that. You know, I look back in my own life and I remember some of my, my first Sunday school teachers. Sister Dorothy. That's how old we were. We still call people sister. Sister Dorothy come in there and she would teach us in Sunday school class. And I remember all the things that she, she just loved on us. She was not fun at all. Um, entertaining at all. But she loved on us and just spoke the word of God to us. And I look back and I think my, my past is littered with people like that who were willing to give of themselves so that I could know Jesus. I think of Sunday school teachers. I think of youth pastors. I think of people who were really patient with me. I'd love to tell you that I was a fantastic kid. I just wasn't. But they were patient and kind and compassionate. And they just they continued to have unlimited trust in God's plan for their lives and believing that God could use their simple obedience to bless somebody else. And listen, all of us have that within us. That through simple obedience, you might run into somebody into a, in Walmart one day that needs to know that God loves them. Somebody who maybe is contemplating taking their own life, and if just one person, they go in there, if just one person would talk to me, I, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't go through with it. One person who just needs to hear from you that, that God has a plan for their lives. Or one person that needs to see kindness and compassion. And Abram had to walk this. But he said, I want to bless the world through you. 
There's a part of this that kind of escapes us in some ways because the reality is that from the time that God told Abram, I'm going to take you into this land of promise, and then his descendants actually go into what they reference as the promised land, it's a period of nearly 700 years. Now, you know what our favorite kind of promise is? Now. Make me a promise, I want it now. How many of you remember when you used to go through McDonald's drive-thru and then had the 90-second timer? And they're like, okay, if you don't get your food in 90 seconds, it's on us. Then they suddenly discovered our entire platform is that we have 14-year-olds cooking and they can't do anything quickly. So they took those down. We want everything now. But sometimes following God means that we have to wait to see the promise come. And sometimes it means we may never see the promise in our lifetime. And that's what Abram went through. When he was changed, obviously his name was changed to Abraham, but we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 what it says about his life and what, what came to pass because of his obedience. But in Hebrews 11, verse 8 through 10, it says this, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God promised him, he had to live there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. Following God sometimes means that we have to go into the unknown means we have to give God unlimited trust. But it also sometimes means that following Him means that we have to see a promise that we don't get to see with our own eyes. What I call the unseen. You'll never see the outcome of it. And, and you know, for Abraham, he, he didn't live to see the children of Israel go into the promised land. He just had to do his leg of the journey. He said, listen, if I'm obedient here, then I can believe by faith that at some point God is going to use my obedience to bring my descendants into the promised land of what he has for them. If I'm not obedient, we talked about this last week, what, what's at stake if we don't choose to live radically for God? If I'm not obedient, if I make this about me, if I make it about my own desires, or if I think to myself, I can't do this because it's just a little uncomfortable, and if I choose to live that way, then I might not just miss out for me, but on the generations that are going to come after me. So Abraham had to choose this, and he said, I'm going to go into what is unseen, and I may never see the promise for myself, but I'm not just living life for myself. I'm not just living life for my own blessing. You know, he says right here that Abraham went to the promised land. He made it. He was there. But it said he had to live there by faith. He had to live in a tent. And the whole time he's living in a tent saying to myself, this is the land that God's going to give to my ancestors. This is the land that God has promised. This is, this is God's promise that I'm living in. You know, for a lot of us, we would look at that and be like, you know, if this was God's promise, I don't think it would have come with a tent. I don't think it would have come. Because I know some of you are glampers, Okay. It, it should have come with at least a five-star Hilton for me. This, that is God's promise right there. That is the Lord's blessing. It's not a tent. But it wasn't just Abraham. He said Abraham had to live in a tent. And guess who had to live, also live in a tent? 
Isaac, his son. My son had to live in a tent too. My son, even though I kept telling him from his whole childhood, God gave us this land. This is the promise that God has given to us. It's going to be awesome. You just wait and see Isaac. Isaac too had to live by faith in a tent for his lifetime. But not just Isaac. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, had to live in a tent. Even though he was in the place that was like, hey, this is God's promise. This is God's blessing. This is God's plan. This is what he's going to... Why is it? How can this be God's plan if it's a tent? Shouldn't it be a little more concrete? Shouldn't it be a little more comfortable? Like I said, it would be hundreds of years before somebody got to live in a city. But the only reason that happened is because one man said, God, I will trust you. I will follow you. I will go wherever you call me to go. I will believe even though I may never get to see the outcome for myself. Church, that is radical. That's what it means to radically live for God. Not living my life just to get for me, but radically living my life because realized, I've realized that my obedience is going to have a profound effect on the generation to come. You know, there's a picture that I was in a few years ago it was my great aunt and my grandfather, my mother, me, and I was holding my daughter. It was a five-generation five picture. Pretty awesome. I was like, wow, that, that's so cool to think about that many generations in one picture. And I don't know, maybe if, the, if God doesn't return, maybe there'll be a day when I get to stand in a picture like that and, and I'll be with the fifth generation of my children or if they keep us alive for longer, maybe the sixth. I don't know. I have no idea what the future holds for me. But I know looking back on my life, I remember times of thinking selfishly about what I want for me and what I want for myself and the kingdom I want to build, the empire I want to construct for me. The older I get, I look at those generations that are going to come after me and I think all I want is for them to know Jesus. I don't care how rich I am. I don't care how poor I am. I don't care how famous or infamous I am. I just want my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren until Jesus returns to know Jesus. But you know, that doesn't happen just on its own. We have to be willing to sacrifice and say, okay, God, what do you want with my life? What do you want to do with my life? And, and how, how is it going to look if, if I obey here or I don't obey there? And just trusting God, even though I don't know what the outcomes are. And church, I want to challenge you to live radically for Jesus because there are generations coming after you. I have no idea when Jesus is going to return. I read the book of Revelation. I think we got to be close. I don't know, but we got to be close. But it might be 10 generations. It might be 20. You can't hole up in, our, in the wall here and be like, oh, okay, well, I think he's coming soon, so now's the time to fortify and wait Church, when we live radically for Jesus, it means to get to the place of saying, I don't know if he's coming back in the next generation or in 10 generations or 20 generations. All I know is that God has given me this one lifetime that I want to pour out so that people can know Jesus. You know, I think back on Sister Dorothy, who long ago went to be with Jesus. But her impact is still having an impact. And I hope to myself that 
someday there'll be people who look back. Maybe they look at our lives. They look at our outreaches. They look at some of the things that we've labored to do so that people could, and they'll look back and they'll say, it was, that was a turning point for me. I got to know Jesus through that. Church, it takes sacrifice. It takes submission to God's plan. It takes humility. But if we were bold enough, radical enough to follow Jesus, then we might get to hear the exact thing that God said to Abraham. I will bless you and I'll make you famous and cause you to be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. There will always be a temptation to think that your obedience or disobedience is inconsequential. I want to tell you today, and I hope you believe me, that if you remain surrendered to Jesus, that God can do things through your life that you may never see, you may never know, but that someday someone will look back, and maybe only in eternity, will be able to say, those who came before me were faithful. And because of their faithfulness, I now know Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, I'm just so grateful for the men and women of God who were willing to give of themselves to teach me and instruct me to serve so that I could know you. Who gave of themselves when it was hard when I made it difficult for them. But they just believed that their sacrifice had meaning. They believed that what they were giving had meaning and that if they would continue to trust you, follow through with the plan you had for their lives, that it could have an impact on a future generation. And God, I just lift up those in this room today that have maybe bought into the lie throughout their lifetime. Their life doesn't really mean anything, but whether they do or they don't obey you, it really is of no consequence, or maybe it's only a, a consequential to themselves. But Lord, I pray that you would fix our eyes on the reality that living radically for you not only opens the door to blessing for us, but the door to blessing for the world through us. So God, I pray that you would help us to live radically, to think radically, Radically different from a world that is so obsessed with being selfish. Radically different from a world that thinks that this lifetime and this time that we have here on earth is the only thing that matters. God, I pray that you would begin that in our hearts. Plant the seed in us, God, to be a people who think generationally, who want to sow seeds, God, in belief that they're going to grow until the point of your return. As we're in prayer this morning, I just want to ask you if you're here and, you know, maybe as we're talking about this, you think to yourself, I, I do want that. I want to live in such a radical way that my life makes a difference in this world. Not for my sake or for my glory, but I want to believe that there is a hope for the generations that are coming through the simple obedience of people who choose to live for God. And that's you. I want to ask you to just slip up a hand because I want to pray for you this morning. I want to be obedient to God's plan for my life because it matters. I want to be obedient to the small steps that God has for me because they matter. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. 
Thank you. Can I ask you to stand with me as we prepare to close in prayer? That song we sang earlier says, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. We love that part. But then the next line says, With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That is that transformational moment where we go from God I receive to God I want to give. So I want to pray for you, and especially those of you who raised the hand to say, I want to live life for Jesus, but I also want to point out a reality. In here, it's easy to want to be different. But when we leave here, it's a totally different story to choose to be different. To not just be a hearer, but to be a doer. You know, we can be stirred by a hundred different sermons, but to live one is really challenging. And so as we go today, my prayer for you is that God would give you opportunity to be obedient, even in the small things today, somehow in your life. But choose to be a doer and not just a hearer. So God, I just pray right now for every person in this room that raised their hand, every person who's watching us online today. God, I just pray that you would be with them and encourage them, Lord. God, you have a plan for their lives. And the obedience or disobedience of their lives is not simply tied to their own blessing, but God, it is tied generationally to a world that needs to know you. And God, I pray that our eyes would be set on the big picture, that we would be able to zoom out from our own existence, not just what we get in this moment on this day, but looking into the future, God, of what you desire to accomplish. God, believing that there are generations that are going to come after us that are here in the Shenango Valley that you want to reach for your glory, that you want to share your love with, that you want to pour out mercies and salvation to. And God, the key to that is our obedience. There are generations who can know you if we remain faithful in this time and in this place to live radically different from the rest of the world around us. And so God, I pray for each one that raise their hand, that it would not just be something they say, I want, but that as they go today, they would say, it's something I'm going to do. I'm going to choose to live radically different. I'm going to choose to think radically different because there are generations that are coming after me that need to know Jesus. And the deposit that I make in this lifetime plants a seed that can grow up to fruit for the generations to come. And so, God, I pray that you would challenge us, direct our steps, help us to be more like you, to know your voice and to know the things that you are speaking into our lives so that we can obey you. And I pray your blessings over us, God, as we go, not just for our sake, but that the world would be blessed through our obedience and that your name would be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go be a doer. Love on the world around you as Jesus has loved. Please, if you've never come to one of our Dunkin' the pastors would love to invite you and your family to join us in the Life Center so that we can get the chance to meet you. Be careful in the parking lots. It is still snowing. But Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you.